Hello and welcome to the Wednesday interview from the Sustainable Futures Report. I'm Anthony Day. The climate crisis has created immense challenges, challenges which only governments and mega corporations can solve. On the other hand, there are things which all of us can do to make a difference. And consumer power, when it's spread across millions of consumers, should never be underestimated. We're not going to solve the climate crisis on our own, but we are able to contribute to keeping our Earth a clean and safe place to live by making responsible choices when we shop. For example, the laundry products we buy, the cleaning materials, the preparations for skin and healthcare, even baby wipes and toilet paper involve chemicals in production and ingredients that may come from halfway across the world. Not all brands are the same, of course. But how do we make the right choice and select the product with the smallest environmental impact? Lizzie Horvitz, today's guest, can help with that. Lizzie Horvitz, welcome to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you're founder and CEO of Finch. Before we talk about that, I understand you've been involved in fighting climate change for 20 years or more. Tell us a little bit about that. I have almost 20 years. When I was 16, I lived off the grid in the Bahamas. Um, my water came from the rain and our energy came from wind and solar. And if you can imagine back to 2004, um, climate change was obviously known and studied, but it wasn't at the top of headlines like it is today. And so I didn't really know that much about it. And I sort of saw the solution before I fully understood the problem. So I saw this beautiful way of living um, without the dependence of fossil fuels and really fell in love with, with climate change mitigation and decided to dedicate my life to that. Right. But you've moved back from that. You're back in, um, could I say, consumer world, a completely different world from that. And that led you, I think, to set up Finch. So explain to me what, what Finch is, what it does, what it intends to do. Yes, I am living fully on the grid right now, <clears throat> to be clear. I, after graduate school, went to go work for Unilever. I was on their supply chain team and, and then on their sustainability team. So working on how products like Ben and & Jerry's and Dove Soap could be as least impactful as possible. And while I was there, something interesting started happening in my personal life where, because I'm one of the only people in my larger community who had a real background in this space, I began to get a ton of questions around how my friends could reduce their own footprint. And I didn't really know where to look online because there were, you know, wonky academic papers, which aren't meant for normal people to read. And then on the other side, we have this rise of bloggers who are saying things that aren't based in real scientific data and are unregulated. And so I started a newsletter aiming to distill this type of information. And meanwhile, um, just fell in love with entrepreneurship, taking a company from inception to scale and realized that Finch could really become a full-time opportunity. And so what we've evolved to beyond the newsletter is this platform that decodes products environmental impacts to help consumers make better purchasing decisions. So we rate products based on a scale of one to 10 on a variety of attributes ranging from embodied carbon to water impacts, et cetera. 
and we give you a score. And then through a browser extension, you're able to shop online like you normally do. We'll show you the score of the product you're looking at and then three alternatives in case you're interested in making a, a different decision. Right. Um, as you say on the website, when you analyze a product, you look at making, moving, buying, using and ditching it. Ditching it. You look at every stage. That's quite a big ask. It really is. I believe that you base this analysis on a number of indices, uh, certificates and certification schemes and things like that. I noticed B Corp, which is one that I recognize. The other ones are less familiar to me. You don't seem to uh, list ISO 14001, but that would be something you would hope I would, would have thought to see on some of these manufacturers. Absolutely, we incorporate ISO uh, to a to a certain extent for sure. I would say, you know, we're not claiming to be as accurate as we would if we were in the manufacturing floor of every single product that was being made. But obviously, um, we're not able to do that. So what we feel that we're doing is getting a good enough read given publicly available information to inform not only businesses, but also consumers on, on what the impact of, of their products are. And so our, our process is probably 10% manual and 90% automated. And that 10% manual is looking at a product category like um, body wash or sunscreen. And we say, okay, what are all the impacts that, that affect the sustainability of this product? We read several academic studies and, and NGO reports to inform those decisions. We quantify those weightings. And then what we do is we scrape the public domain for any type of information we can gather. So um, a sustainability report or an SEC filing or um, anything that, can, that has been published about a product. And then we feed that into our machine learning model, which then um, which then can give us any score on Amazon. And so, you know, companies who are transparent about their actions um, get higher higher scores just by default. And we, we like to encourage transparency and companies who are doing sustainability behind the scenes, but not talking about it. We would encourage that they they actually publish the good work that they're doing somewhere. At the moment, you've got a relatively limited range of products that you're looking at. They're household chemicals, laundry, uh, powders and, and products, and personal care. Uh, and at the moment, you haven't actually got brands assigned to all those categories. But presumably, this is work in progress, and gradually you're going to populate these things with uh, specific brands. Oh, we do have specific brands to these categories. Um, we haven't covered, you know, the, the whole variety of brands, of course, but how it works is we look at the product category overall, <clears throat> and then we, anything that's on Amazon that has enough information for us, we will match it to that category. Um, we, we right now don't need to have formal partnerships with brands, which has been great to maintain neutrality. So we just find anything we can online. What's been interesting that's happened is since we've launched, we've had brands coming to us saying, can you change our score because of A, B, and C reasons, or I think this information is inaccurate. And that, that latter issue has happened less, luckily. Um, but what happens there is we, as I just mentioned, we say, we're happy to incorporate this information if it's publicly available somewhere. <clears throat> and to a point earlier, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with this B Corp and 
EWG and many of ISO have done incredible work that we, we would obviously never expect to measure up to in this short amount of time. So we're using all of those existing databases to inform a one-stop shop for Finch where you don't have to go to one certification for the human toxicity impact and another one for the child labor impact, for example. Right. I've been looking at your website. Uh, I don't find products in every category and I don't find ratings on any of the products. So am I looking in the wrong place? No, you were looking at the right place. We launched a beta version of our browser extension in May and we had all of our products rated. We're in a unique time right now where we are launching the second version of our extension in a couple of weeks. And so we're sort of redoing all of the back end and all of our scores are changing because the strength of our model has been changing. So you will see probably in um, the last week of January, you'll see scores on every single wise guide that we have. It's just a, it's a unique time to be looking at our website right now, unfortunately. All right. Okay. So you can then click through and make a purchase online. You can. So we're not trying to be a marketplace um, on our website. If you would like to go to our website and see the top rated products in different categories, you're happy. We're happy to have you do that. And you can buy directly from our website. What we'd really like to do is have the website inform what the important factors are that you should be looking for in these, in these categories and then really using the browser extension when you're shopping on Amazon. And right now it's only available on Amazon, but you know, a short-term goal for us is to, of course, be on many other e-commerce sites. I see. The key question I have to ask you is, uh, what is your business model? How do you actually fund your operations? It's a really important question. And what we've decided for right now is that we would like to not charge the end consumer. We would like to take all friction possible away from that end user. And so they will never pay. They'll only pay for the products that we, that we recommend. We are gathering incredibly valuable data, um, two different types of data that we sell to companies in a subscription-based model. And so each month companies will pay a subscription fee to, to get Two different types of data. The first type is, while we'll never share our proprietary algorithm, we can share, you know, the deep dive of the product category that we've done and what the top 50 products are in that category, or even all of the products and how they're rated. So we could sell that as either a list or a licensed API, which, you know, a, a Google or an Amazon might be interested in if they just want to integrate the Finch ratings directly into their platform. The other type of data we will gather um, is once our browser extension is downloaded by thousands of people, we will get very valuable information on the user journey on, okay, this person looked at Tide and ended up going with uh, a different type of detergent that was uh, less environmentally impactful. These people were willing to spend an extra $3, but not an extra four. And so we're really getting down to that granular willingness to pay and interest level on on sustainability products so that businesses have a real use case to market their products or or you know in a perfect world change their um change their products to make them more sustainable because they realize they're losing market share and just to be clear we would never sell uh private information or or specific user data we'll only aggregate it and um, anonymize it Right. And do you have plans to expand your range of categories? Absolutely. We made a conscious decision to start with 
what we call consumables. So less expensive products that people buy often. And so while we're gaining the trust of our consumers, we'd like to recommend smaller things like toilet paper, because if you, if for some reason the purchase doesn't work out, you have to buy it again in a couple of months and it's, it's not as big of a deal. So as we're doing that, we have 85 categories. We have a couple of outliers like mattresses and sheets for other reasons, but most of the 85 are products that people buy fairly regularly. And then the plan is to expand to more durables like household appliances, um, clothing, fashion, and then of course end up with real luxury items like cars, maybe engagement rings, things like that, that, that are really important purchases. Right. Well, that's a whole new level of investment, isn't it? It really is. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And the other question I have to ask you is at the moment, of course, you are geared at the United States market, but the majority of listeners of the Sustainable Futures Report don't live in the United States. So have you got plans to expand globally? Of course. You know, what's interesting about the European market is your you guys are so much farther ahead than we are, unfortunately, in sustainability, I believe. And so in, you know, obviously in the government, but also in the private sectors. And so we decided to start with the United States because A, that's obviously where our team is based, but also um, that's where it's needed the most at the, at, in current times. But the European market is absolutely the second, the second one we'd enter into. And there's actually some really exciting things happening in, um, in both markets right now that we're excited to sort of tap into. The problem is we're getting localized ratings in which, so one example would be, if you were based in California, water scarcity is much more important than if you're based in New York City where water is, is less of an issue. And so your score, not right now, but in a couple of months will look differently than someone based in New York if you're in California. So we're doing a lot of hard work across the United States on getting those details. And it's just an extra push for us to, to go into the UK and, and European countries. But we're imagining in the next eight months, we will, we will go there. Oh, well, thank you. That's been very interesting. Uh, as, as we draw this to a close, sustainability is making the headlines. COP26 got a lot of coverage. And of course, looking on the downsides, when we've had these terrible fires, which I think are even now burning in parts of the United States. And of course, we've seen um, in the news that it's now confirmed that this year, temperatures exceeded 100 degrees Fahrenheit in the Arctic Circle. So the emergency, the climate emergency is more and more clear to more and more people. And are you optimistic? It's such an important question, Anthony. And I think what I would say is I'm cautiously optimistic. I think if I were not, I wouldn't be able to be in this field. I, I have to have faith that uh, all of our actions collectively will make a difference. And I think to that point, you know, it's not an either or that's going to solve climate change, it's a both and. And so we need COP26 and all of these governments to, to get together. We also need the nonprofit sectors to be doing incredible work. And we need private sector solutions on both the, you know, the macro scale and the micro scale. So I want to make sure that our listeners know that, you know, 
any small change that you're making um, is, is really making a difference. Maybe not on your individual level, but if there are 100 of you or 5,000 of you, um, that adds up and, and everything counts. Um, and so I just encourage everybody to, to stay positive. Lizzie, thank you very much for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thank you so much, Anthony. Lizzie Horvitz of Finch. You can find Finch at choosefinch.com. I'm Anthony Day, and that was the Wednesday interview from the Sustainable Futures Report. Net Zero is constantly in the news and underlies the theme of a new book, Pandora's Toolbox, The Hopes and Hazards of Climate Intervention, which will be published shortly. Next Wednesday's interview will be with the author, Wake Smith of Yale University. On Friday, there'll be another episode of the Sustainable Futures Report as we look forward to the publication of the third part of AR6, the latest report from the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. For the moment, enjoy the rest of the week. You've just got time to sign up as a patron at patreon.com sfr and help me cover the costs of bringing you the Sustainable Futures Report now twice a week. I'm Anthony Day. Until Friday. Thank you.